A warm welcome, conscious leaders. I'm very excited for the guest we have today, Pietro Dupasani. She's a force of nature. She survived the mining industry and she was on the board for women in mining. Her knowledge and wisdom that she can impart to us, especially as women, is going to be very profound today. So I'm very excited. But Pietro, thank you so much for agreeing to meet today. I'm super excited to tap into that mind of yours and to learn so much you, you know you're so eloquent and you're so gentle and i can't wait to explore this conversation wherever it might take us thanks for having me i'm very very honored to be in the studio today i've seen some of your previous guests so i'm a little bit intimidated um <laughs> but we'll we'll take it from there and hopefully i can give you a little bit of insights as to what actually goes on in the mining industry um but i although i'm no longer in it um for now um, but I can give you an idea of how it works and how I find my time working there. Okay, so let's go beyond the shaft, right? Let's go back and first understand Pietru. I love your name, Pietru Dupasani. What is the story behind your name? Dupasani, is it Italian or? Yeah, so actually I am Afrikaans. What? Um, both my parents were Afrikaans, um, but my name is not really that. Pietro is quite an Afrikaans name. And Pietro actually means rock. And I was actually born on a rock in the middle of the ocean, um, in the Atlantic Ocean, on a small island called Ascension Island. And so, yeah, my name, I think, is really appropriate for where I was born. And then Dupasani is sort of an amalgamation between French and Italian. So Italian, uh, th there were French and Italian Huguenots that came to South Africa in the 1600s. And my predecessors or ancestors are originally from Venice. So I have, if you walk around Venice, you'll see a lot of Villa Pisanis and Casa Pisanis. So that's where my ancestors come from. But I don't have any claim on any of those villas um, because it's such a long time ago. And I think, yeah, so we eventually, that name just became Afrikaans. So we are Afrikaans or my family is Afrikaans. I never knew that. I yeah. really thought you were Italian. No, well, very, very in the far, far uh, history, but not <sighs> not anymore. No. But that's fascinating. Yeah. And you, your name meaning rock and you were in the mining industry. I mean, hello. And I studied geology. Okay, so what? I studied geology, which is the study of rocks, uh, geology and geophysics. So I think it's quite, I don't know if my name made me study it or whether it was just my parents knew that this is where I was going to go I don't know who knows it's like your name determining your destiny <laughs> something it, like it, that it is it is but, but it's like a prophecy over your life and every time somebody speaks it that prophecy is spoken over your life you know yeah. I studied numerology and you, you your name is basically the map and plan of your life um, apart from your time of birth and date of birth and all of that kind of stuff okay so the reason I invited you today is with intent my intent is I've really been trying to listen to women coming from different positions, etc. But one thing I'm starting to see that worries me a bit like this, I think uh, the other day they announced that women have now surpassed uh, men in the workplace. And uh, there's research that has come out to prove that women are given amazing opportunities but there's an element of boldness and risk-taking that needs to go hand in hand when opportunity presents itself to you. And I think sometimes we're not grateful enough for the things that are presented to us and the opportunities. The, the, we can create anything we want. The interesting thing for me is that you come out of an industry that is known for being very male dominated and it, it's been a very hard fight to, to get diversity and inclusion rights in the mining industry and I'm sure the problem still remains and it's still a very big battle but it's very male dominated also you're working very much with with metal and and earth and rocks and you know so there's a, lo a lot of masculinity energy around everything that's happening in mining and then there's also the depletion of resources and all the challenges that sit around mining and what's happening outside of it and I thought it would be very interesting to hear your perspective of the things we actually don't know what's going on in mining all I know is I'm wearing gold and I bought it in a shop I don't know what happens from the moment it gets comes out of the earth and the industry and you know, mm. does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I think the mining industry is a, a lot of, a lot of times misunderstood in terms of what it can actually, what it actually provides to you. 
it does provide all of the necessary metals and minerals for us to have this modern life. It's not just the gold that's on your finger, but it's also all of the elements in your cell phone. It's also the motor vehicles we are driving around and what powers those motor vehicles as well. It's also a lot of medical technology mm-hmm. and using elements coming out of the earth to to keep us healthy and to and to make prosthesis and all those sort of things. Okay, so, so mining provides all of the necessary metals and minerals that we need to have this modern life. And a lot of times we lose sight of that. People will go, we have to boycott the mining industry. And then you go, well, where's your energy going to come from? Mm. Where's your cell phone going to come from? Do you, are you going to give up your television? Okay, are you going to give up all of your appliances and your, um, I don't think people make the connection all the time. I mean, there's probably a lot of room for recycling, but there's still a lot of, um, necess- necessity for metals and minerals but we do need to find a way to mine them responsibly and we can get into Mm. that a bit later yeah very interesting so let's maybe pull the veil down and let's say okay right as a woman entering the mining industry just paint a picture for us what is mining like your day-to-day job like what needs to be handled yeah i mean the if you think of a, a mining company or if you think of the whole process of mining, it's actually a very physical process. Okay? Mm. So what we're basically doing is we're finding a mine somewhere um, and then that mine needs to get developed. So you have to build infrastructure to be able to access it, to be able to get underground or to open it up or to be able to transport your metals and minerals away. Um, and then once you've developed the mine, it is a very physical process. You, In some way, you want to break the bigger rocks into smaller rocks, and then you want to get the valuable material out of those rocks, and then you want to get that valuable material to your customers. Okay, So that, that process is quite physical. So you can see that you do need a lot of technical people um, to be able to understand the ore bodies. Um, and then to mine them properly and then to build the infrastructure. So then you need, you need engineers. You need people who can est- extract the minerals. So you'll need people like metallurgists and process engineers and those sort of people who can design plants that extract the metals out of it. And then you need a lot of logistics. So you're going to need people to get the minerals and metals to the wherever the market is. And then it's a, around, surrounding all of that, you'll have um, your normal people in a corporate. Okay? So you'll have lawyers and you'll have finance people and mm. you'll have marketing people and you'll have HR people and all of that. And a lot of people looking after safety because safe, you want to keep everybody safe. So it's actually, if you think about what the mining industry is, it's normally much bigger than you actually imagine it to be. Um, and there's many, many more careers in the mining industry than you it's any type of career you can think of you need. We even have, for the company I used to work there, with doctors and nurses and hospitals and those sort of things. So it is, it's not just dealing with the actual ore and separating mm. the ore out. There's a lot of stuff around that that makes the whole industry tick. So in, so it's actually quite a good industry to work in um, in terms of job security, those sort of things. Um, but it's much bigger than you think. Um, mm. And... But it is, as you say, a very, still a very masculine type environment, specifically in the sort of engineering and sciences and technical parts of it. There's still a lot of, a lot of it is still very, very male dominated. And I don't know whether it is because men are more interested in going in those directions, um, in terms of their studies, um, because we have just as many women you know, studying geology mm. and engineering. Well, actually not engineering, but, but geology. But in some way, at some point, they leave. They leave the industry. And if you look at a, a, a survey that McKinsey did last year, okay, um, if you look at the attractiveness of mining as an industry for young people to enter, it's right at the top, at the bottom, okay, right at the bottom of the sexiness scale, okay, of where people want to work. They don't necessarily, because they perceive the industry to be dirty mm. and, um, you know, having to work out in the sunshine or somewhere in the dark or that sort of thing. Um, so it's not seen as a very desirable industry for young people at this point in time. They don't want to work there. And um, mm. so there's still a lot of challenges around how do we get the necessary talents to want to come and work in mining. I hope that paints some sort of picture of it's a huge, it's an enormous industry and it's got a lot of adjacent industries to it to keep it going. Mm. Um, but I think it's an enormously important industry as well. Um, we, we do need it to be able to fuel the future. Um, even, sure. even if you look at the green future that's coming, which I believe is coming, um, you still need 
metals and minerals to fuel that. You'd need lithium, you need uh, cobalt and copper and and all of those metals to be able to build electric cars. Yeah, so, uh, and I actually attended the World Mining Conference last year. And if we want to convert completely to green energies and battery operated vehicles, we need another 50 lithium mines in the world what? to be able to do that. It's insane. And they don't exist. Okay? These don't exist. So we do have to find other technologies as well um, to be able to power a green future. You see, the the green future for me is, um, you know, this also ties very much into into conscious leaders for me. Like, you know, um, we need to start taking care of our planet and we need to start making decisions and voting with our wallets and making decisions, understanding how the processes are done, like how, you know, from from the earth to plate or from the earth to box or whatever the case might be, is to know, okay, this is how this product product has been um, created, developed and the sustainability behind it. I think, um, I think the, the social impact is so important. I think that's the, the most difficult thing that, um, businesses are struggling with within the ESG goals is to get that environment. You know, everybody gets around it and there's, there's ways of doing things, but there's also all the greenwashing that we're seeing. Um, I'm also the green myopia, you know, it's like, Oh, don't let me get started with that conversation, but it's such a complex thing. And I feel like we're not going deep enough. I feel we're having conversations. It's like a trend tsunami, like a circular economy was a big conversation a few years ago, but it's so important. Like you, to your point, um, recycling and that supply chain, the ecosystem behind that, like all of these things we need to start talking about. Um, you know, and that's why I feel we need more women in these type of industries, you know. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about ESG, specifically in the mining industry, I mean, the mining and is coming up and that's going to be a huge topic. Okay, they're going to have panel discussions around what does ESG mean in mining uh, and all of that. But if you think about the three components, you know, does, if we start with the G for governance, okay, you can't really get away from governance. Mm-mm. Governance, there's laws, there's policies, there's certain things that you have to apply, uh, if it, whether it be air quality or water quality or whatever it is, or the governance of your accounting systems, all of those sort of things. You can't really get away from that that much. Um, although there is a fine line between governance in terms of doing what's right mm-hmm. and doing what the minimum minimum standard is to be on the right side of the law. Okay. And what I see is that that line becomes very blurry as you go, because mining, mining, um, is the cyclical industry. Okay. So as we have money, we do, do, do all the right things and we make sure that we are on a far, far away from, um, from trading over the line. Okay. But as, as we get into the, a dip cycle and all the stuff gets cut. Okay. Then we're doing the minimum stuff that we need to do. So it, it all depends on whether the mines are making money or not. Okay. So they'll either go closer and further away from the line as we go through these cycles. So, so this so the G part of governance, I think is probably the most um, monitored. Okay. If we think about environments and you think about a mine and environments, mm. I mean, what does a mine do? It makes a big hole in the ground. Okay. Mm. So you are destroying the environment. Mm. So the only way to really offset that is then to do offset stuff. Okay. Then you have to go, okay, for, for each hole that we are digging, we promise to cover it up again later, which they call rehabilitation. Um, or they will go, we'll plant we're destroying this part, but then we'll plant trees in this part. So we'll sort of, there will be some sort of balance. So that's the thing, only thing you really can do in the environmental space. If you're harming the biodiversity of a specific area, then we have to relocate that biodiversity to a different place and make sure that we don't, that everything on balance equals out. That's the whole net zero um, arguments is that, because if, if you think about a mine, it is going to impact the environment. Mm. It's, very, it's very difficult not to impact the environment. And I've been to many, many mines in my career and they haven't seen a single one that doesn't impact their environments. So you have to think about how do we balance that out. So the, the policies are there all around how do we reach some sort of equilibrium. If you think about social, each and every mind that we have okay, um, in this country or across the world is in a community somewhere, okay? except if you're in the Arctic Circle. I've been in mines in the Arctic Circle wow. as well. Um, we're sure. very far away from, um, but there's still even local people there. Okay, so you're always in a social environment and you have to work with the, with the, the, the community in that area. Um, what I've heard a lot said is that we, as mining companies or as developers of the mine, are the custodians or the, um, 
of the resource. Okay, so it's basically making sure that it gets mined responsibly, that some of the money goes back to the community, and some of it goes to your, but mostly it goes to your shareholders in any case, you know. Um, and you have to find a way to work with your communities. And what I've seen in South Africa specifically is that the mining companies take on almost the role of governments. They build schools, they build roads, they build um, hospitals. And at the end of the day, they're actually looking after the community because the government doesn't. Okay, so, and I think that's also not necessarily 100% the right way to go because what happens when the mine is no longer there? Um, so, because it's, as you say, it's, it's always going to be a um, depletable resource. You're never going to, I mean, once you've mined um, gold or platinum or coal out of a specific area, it's gone forever. It's not coming back to so that area, maybe geologically in another million years, but not now. Um, so, sure. so that, that community, um, I think there's a responsibility by people who are mining that area to make sure that they leave that area in a state that is similar to what it was before they started mining mm. and to look after the community so that they have the necessary skills to be able to flourish even after the mine has gone. Um, and some mining companies will do that. Um, they, the responsible ones will do that. They will have programs for re- rehabilitation and for – but there's just as many – um, stories on the opposite end where people don't do that or um, other mining, smaller mining companies won't do that. Okay? They mm-hmm. won't do the responsible thing and they'll leave it um, for the next, for the next um, community or generation to sort out. Wow. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of impacts um, in the ESG space for, for mining and a lot of deliberation, deliberation is required, you know, to make sure that we do it responsibly. I think companies can actually learn a lot from the mining industry on how ESG needs to be implemented because, you know, I've never thought about it this way. Um, you know, yes, you take out from the environment, but you need to go and fix other parts and biodiversities. And yeah, You wouldn't think that even in the mining industry, yeah. you'd have people doing biodiversity work. You'd have environmental sciences, you have water specialists, you have geohydrologists who are looking mm-hmm. at those parts of how we're impacting it. So there's always an environmental impact assessment before you start a mine, or there should be. Um, and then you want to bring that bring that back to where it was beforehand, and you you need to know what the base the base level was before the mining started. I mean, I've seen I've worked in Alaska um, where a mine didn't start because it was impossible not to not it was impossible to return it to to the state that it would would have been in if they had gone in and done a big open pit mine. There was no way to be able to restore it, and they actually didn't get their mining licenses. So I've seen wow. that happen as well. Wow, I think one of the things that's really getting to me is this greed economy that we're living in 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 the world and you know i'm myself i'm trying really hard not to buy things that i don't need and to recycle and to do the right thing i mean i even have a worm farm which is very unusual for carmen i've got a worm farm i've got a compost bin and i'm i'm trying to plant and i'm trying to uh, put salt into my soil it's like it's like you gotta start somewhere um, and I think from my perspective, I, I sometimes, um, get overpassionate about the planet. Maybe I'm, I'm an activist deep down inside. It's coming, people. It's coming. Okay. Let's get yeah. started. We warmed up now. We're going to go into the real interview. The moment I walked into studio and I saw Pietro, she welcomed me with this warm smile, full of excitement, telling me all about this exciting new journey that she's embarking on and I could just see her light up from the inside out. We had a discussion that we wanted to discuss that day, which was mining, and we did go there. We wanted to talk about mining and the ESG goals and also what we um, can learn from the industry. But as we were sitting there, we both knew we had to go there. That discussion we had that got us so excited before this interview started. So, without further ado, we are now about to take you into the rabbit hole with us. What does the word conscious leaders mean to you? For me, anything that's got the word conscious in it, um, and it's also probably a phase of of my life that I'm in right now, it means to be really deeply reflective Mm. and really thinking about what your impact on other people and the planet might be. Okay, so for me, conscious, if you think about conscious leaders, it's around really d- reflecting okay, um, about everything okay, and to make sure that you as a human being are happy with where you are um, and, and how you are perceived by the world. 
Um, if if you had to, um, you know, be able to do anything that you possibly could do to make your mark in the world right now, where you are, in 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 your life, what would that be? I'm actually thinking about that at the moment because um, um, I am in a I think a rest period in my life at this point in time. I'm on a sort of I, I call it a, a conscious sabbatical. Um, it is is it's thinking about really what I want to be doing next in my life, and so I'm busy exploring what my mark in the world might be from here onwards. Um, so I, d- I don't think I really have an answer for you right now because I'm, I'm going into a series of experiments on myself mm-hmm. um, to figure out what it is that I would like to do with the rest of my life. Um, so, so I'm doing a number of things this year to actually explore what that's going to be. So I don't really have an answer for you right now because that is, my, that mis- is, that, that that is my mission for this year is to find that out. Is, is how I want to spend the rest of my life and what mark I'd like to make. So if we had to press the rewind button, let's talk about the moment before the conscious um, sabbatical and where did you find yourself in your career and what created this shift? So, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting um, question. So I've been working in the mining industry for the last 25 years. Um, it's been enormously kind to me. I've had a huge amount of opportunities, a huge amount of opportunities were give to, given to me. I've been able to grow. Um, I never had the same same job within my career for more than probably two to three years. Mm-hmm. I was conscious, constantly moving and doing different things and learning different things, even, even in the mining industry. And I got to a point last year um I'd known for a while already that, that I needed to make a change. Okay, there needed to be some sort of change in my life. I wanted to be in the world in a different way. Um, cause I'd been, I'd been in mining and in corporate for 25 years and I just wanted to experience the world from a different perspective. Mm. And so it's been building for a while. Um, probably the first sort of inklings of that was around about 2014 where we went through a massive restructure at, at the work. And even then I'd said to myself, you know, I don't, think I want to go through another one of these restructures. It's really brutal and I don't like the impact that it's having on people. Um, so when it comes around again, um, and in the mining industry, you can be sure it's going to happen again. Um, sort of every five, seven to nine years, there's a massive restructure or, or dip in the, in the metal prices and then mining companies get a, rid of a lot of people. So I'd already decided back then that I would take the next, the next time that there was a restructure, I would put my hand up for voluntary severance um, and take a package, which I then did um, last year. So it's been coming since then, since twenty, since twenty fourteen. Even in twenty twenty one, when I interviewed for my last position, I had said to my boss at that point in time, "I'm only going to be with you for three years. I'm planning to only be with you for three years. Um, at the end of three years, I'd like to move on and do something different." Um, so I'd already been doing that but the real thinking only started happening last year around what does that actually mean okay what does it mean for me to um leave and do my own thing and all of that and uh, of course behind of that there has to be a lot of other planning as well so I had Mm. to get myself as a woman financially into the right position um because I don't um I'm not married I don't have children that sort of thing so I have to figure out how am I going to look after myself um so so there was a lot of financial planning before that as well for Mm. me to be able to take the leap as well um so so yeah I mean the whole um so where I was is I I'd also been earmarked for an executive development program last year. I was on an executive development program last year, earmarked as somebody who would move up in the organization. And then I looked up and I saw all the executives that I was, well, I was going to replace one of these at some point in time. And I saw people married to the company. I saw people who basically prioritized work over every, anything else. I probably was one of those people as well who had very little of a private life. Mostly they, they were just working all of the time. I saw people who were gray, unhappy, um, who, they didn't look like happy people to me. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those people. You know, I don't actually want to, even if I don't earmark to be one of these people, I don't actually want that life. I don't want that life where I have to travel all the time. And I, I've done it before. I've, I've traveled a lot in, internationally for my work. I didn't want to, I didn't want, didn't want that life. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, if I don't want that life, 
then what? Okay, what do I want? And luckily through, through the development program, which at the end of the day also helped me to leave, it was supposed to make me stay, but it helped me to leave in the end. Um, we did a series of exper- experiments um, on, in a community project and then I went, well, why can't I do, an ex- do experiments on myself and sort of really do the things that I'm passionate about mm. and the stuff that I really love doing and see which of those things I could potentially continue doing um, and be happy doing. Um, so that's what this year is about. So it's about um, doing all the things that, I'm, that I love doing and then seeing which of those I can take forward. So what are you planning? I'm planning, so firstly, January, January, (laughs) which is now over, was meant to be a time to just breathe and relax and just be, okay. Um, I had this coach who said to me, you need to stop being a human doing and you have to be a human being. And I was Mm. like, what does that actually even mean? I don't know what that means. Okay. I don't know how to be not doing because my calendar was back to back like the whole day from five in the morning exercise to um, in the evening events for women in mining South Africa, that sort of stuff. So it was a really um, back to back life. And then how do I go from not having every minute of my day scheduled to having all of this open wide space? Mm. Um, so for the month of January, I've really tried to breathe, to go for walks, to do my yoga to go exercising, to be out in nature, reconnect with nature. And I think I've been relatively successful in doing that. And now now that February is, has, has arrived, I have a number of things planned for this year. So um, one of the things I'm doing in February is a coaching course. So I'm doing just to start off. And the reason why I'm doing coaching is to learn more about myself. Mm. Um, but also it's a potential direction that I could go in. I've been immensely grateful for all of the coaches and mentors who have helped me um, across my career. Um, I had, uh, I think around about 2017, 2018, I had a lady who was my executive coach. And each time I walked out of that session, I was so immensely grateful that she had taken the time to sit with me and help me and, and help me unblock myself. And I can't think of anything better than to be able to do that for other people. You know, to help other people to be able to move forward in their careers. So, so that's definitely a potential pathway, you know, is to, is to become a coach, you know, and to help others. I, I, but I'd let me do the course and see if it resonates with me, but I think it's going to resonate with oh, me. No. Um, and then later in the year, sort of March, April, I'm doing, I've always done yoga. Um, I've, and I wanted to get really deeper into my yoga practice. Um, so I'm doing a yoga teacher training course, and it's a very gentle style, sort of yin and yang. Um, so I'm going to do a three-week course on on, uh, on yoga and and meditation and mind- mindfulness. Um, so I'm, sounds like the life, I must <laughs> tell you. <laughs> but I think I think combining combining that with the coaching, I think having that mm. sort of um, gentle approach to coaching as well, I think it will be really good, um, a, re- a really nice combination. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'm doing a trek. Um, and for me to be able to do this trek with a very good friend of mine, I have to be very fit. Um, so I've been training and walking and hiking um, to be able to do this um, trek in Nepal. So it sounds very cliched. I'm going to go find myself in Nepal, you know, but I I must be there somewhere, you know, but but actually I know exactly where I am. I'm here. (laughs) Here I am. I'm not in Nepal, but I've always wanted to see Nepal. Okay. So it's not about a trip to go and find myself. It's actually just a challenge. It's a, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal of which I'm really scared, by the way. I'm not taking this lightly at all because I've never done anything like this in my life. Um, so it is, I, I'm going to arrive there as, pre- as prepared as I can so that I can enjoy the experience and not be t- like really tired at the end of each day. So yeah, it's a very, so this whole, I still have to figure out what's going to happen between a- April and November, except for all of the hiking and training. Um, but it might be that I expand the, the coaching bits, you know, yeah. and, and do a couple of, give a couple of yoga classes, that sort of thing, you know, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I don't want, 
one of my my intentions for this year as well was to not have every day scheduled to the max you know to mm. to leave time for for being bored for thinking and reflecting so i've been doing a lot of journaling as well um around where i am and what i'm doing and maybe at the end of the year i'll write a book about how to take a gap year in your 50s yes. you know do that yes. Yes. how to do this how to plan it how to consciously do it um and and help others to to also be able to do this because i think it's actually so important to take breaks I mean you as 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 I'm sitting here and listening to you talking I'm just thinking to myself um so many of us don't know how to plan for a, a um sabbatical I mean I I kind of decided I'm going to consciously also go on my sabbatical I did my work I had my team doing things but I felt I needed to to kind of come back to me what's my next move how i'm going to do things that i feel happy about i think i think the trigger moment for me was when you know you started seeing all the wars and everything happening in the world and um on top of that i think it was also this whole ai boom and the the ruthlessness of things that's happening in the corporate world all of it just around me is like all of a sudden you just see everything and you go, what on earth is going on? Is nobody seeing what I'm seeing? You know, like that's, that was kind of like my, my attitude. And I thought, you know what? I need to align with myself and I need to align with my value system. And how am I going to do what I love in a different way that I feel consciously aligned? Because I don't want to do things anymore that doesn't sit well with my soul and sit well with my being. I think we we just get to a point in our lives. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it if it's the same with men, um, but I think with with women that you get to a certain point where you go, I don't want to spend my time like this. Okay. Mm. So I got to a point probably sort of in the last quarter of last year, while, while we're going through all this horribleness of restructure and people having to reapply for their jobs and, and all of that sort of stuff, where I at some point stood up in, we have an open plan office, stood up and just looked around me and looked at what people were doing, you know, what, how they were spending their time. And they're all on Teams calls or they building a PowerPoint presentation for something, okay, or on the phone speaking to somebody at a mining operation trying to make trying to make, make mining more efficient or get the stuff out of the ground quicker or whatever and I'm like I don't want to do this anymore okay I don't <laughs> want to <laughs> I don't want to spend my time like this anymore okay um so you get to a point where you're like okay I need to, I don't want to do this but I'm not quite sure what next but um but that mustn't you you're moving away from something mm. and this year for me is around flipping it around and moving towards something towards something that's going to make me feel more whole and more purposeful and I have I have an idea of the types of work that's made me really happy in the past and I'd like to work um look towards those sort of things you know to where where I had an impact on people's lives and see if I can if I can get more work like that. So we'll I see. love that. You know, when I was studying um, numerology, so it was like a 18 month course that I did. And one of the tasks that I had was to go to my CV and to go and in depth into everything that I've done and rewrite my CV only with the things I loved. And that was so, such an important exercise for me because all of a sudden, you reimagine what you can do and mm. you can create it with the things that you love. Obviously, there's things like admin that I don't like. Can't like escape everybody that Everybody has one. to do it. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> but, you know, um, but there's also the, also the planning that happens for that. Okay. Well, then that's the first area that I need, um, to be taken care of. I've got a great team, um, that works on my, my books and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, um, I need to get a PA. I think that that is necessary in my life because I'm way too busy and my mind just like squirrels everywhere. But coming back, circling back, let's use that word, eagle coming in. Um, I think for me, the other exercise, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you want to try it, but I would highly recommend you do because I heard the word journaling is to, when you meditate to go back and and go back to your childhood and remember those foods that you've eaten and also the things that you were imagining and when you were playing your games and what were you doing were you your hands in the mud like all of those things and do that so i used to love playing snakes and ladders 
my husband thought I was insane. I said, I'm going to get myself snake and ladders. And he's like, what is wrong with you? I only played two or three and I was sitting on the grass, played, played it with myself. And from there, this ideas just start coming through. And I'm like, you see, because I have to go back to the innocent me because she is still part of me. She's there somewhere. It's just the way we look at time is different. But anyway, and then I started eating all the food. So the thing is, we as emotional human beings, our palates and everything, our bodies hold memory, our muscles hold memory. And I started eating things from my childhood and I started remembering who I was as a child because I didn't remember much about my my childhood. And that was profound because all the answers is actually there. But I love also what you're saying is like the older we become, the more we're becoming ourselves. Mm. You, you know, um, it's like Carl Jung said, the force, I, I mentioned that to Cindy Gallup, the first 40 years of our life is research. The next 40 years is all about implementation of that research. So, yeah, I saw, actually, actually saw a quote by David Bowie, um, the other day on one of the, you know, he's just scrolling through Facebook. Okay. And it was something around, we spend, 40 to 50 years to become the person we want to be. Okay. So it's, that's what it is. Okay. So you mm. growing up is actually becoming the person who you want to be. And I think last year I, I sort of realized that I need to, if, it, if I'm not going to do this now, then when, what am I waiting for? You know, you're going to, um, you know, what are you, what are you actually waiting for? You have something like 4,000 weeks in your life. Okay, you have something like 4,000 weeks in your life, life. And I've spent 800 of those weeks working for that one company. Okay, so that's enough. Mm. I think it's enough. You know, it's enough. I've given, I've given my time there. I've earned my stripes. I've been in that, in that corporate environment. Um, and it's time for me to do, to just live differently. Okay, so if you think of it like that, if you're only going to get 4,000 weeks, how do you want to spend? And I've already spent, you know, 2,000 of those, you know, maybe maybe more. Okay, so how am, I, how am I going to spend the rest of it? And if I think of things like both my parents died quite young, you know, and my, my dad was 70 and my mom's 71, and I'm 51. So if if I have the same genes as them, probably not because my lifestyle's a little bit more healthier than theirs was. Um, but if, if I'm only going to make it to 71, you know, do I really want to be doing what I was doing last year for the next 20 years or next 10 years? And it's like, no, okay, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do something different. I, you know, for me, this is such a good, wholesome conversation. Um, and you want to get back to mining? We're, no. we're going to talk about mining. No, okay, no, no. This okay. conversation is far more interesting. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the research you did. <laughs> I was like, when we were talking money, I'm like, no, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was the intent. <laughs> but I'm like, this is where, like, I sometimes feel that conversations need to happen, connecting and, and really having th- these conversations. And it's, you know, I, I often reflect and I go, and I'm like, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe I'm seeing the world very differently because of the age thing. But then, one would hope so. I, I, I hope One would so. hope so that you would become, you would yeah. see the world differently through through your experiences in the last forty to fifty years. That you would start mm. seeing things in a different way. You know, so I think it's definitely an age thing. You know, you you. I think the first half of your life is just trying to figure out how to be in the world. And then the second half is being in the world and, yeah. and actually living the life that you really want to live. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that that's the part is like, you know, I've never really been, I've always been um, very adamant, very ambitious, and I want to do things in a certain way. And no, I'm unstoppable. Nobody can stand in my way. But there's a part of me now that's becoming a little bit bohemian, you know, like um, hippie. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? I mean, I went for my first um, medicine experience, right? Um, you know, um, harpe, and I can't remember the eye drops, and like a like a spiritual experience, a psychedelic journey. And I must tell you, the planning for that is incredible. And it actually started by me interviewing to find out because I saw it through netnography, the things that we do um, in my business, but. 
I started seeing everybody's talking about these things and I know that psychedelics is a big trend and I see, saw meditation went up by 30% and mostly are women and I thought let me just go and dig here what's going on and then made this huge uncovery and then I started being curious about it and voila before I knew it yeah I'm gonna go for this psychedelic <laughs> journey it sounds marvelous anyway <laughs> I went, I went for, um, for, but it's very much, um, you know, everybody makes a circle. You have to eat a certain way. Um, no meat because it's you taking in a plant and nature and you really have to go pure in with the intent, your journal and so forth for this experience ago listen we went for a hike while we were doing it it was so funny i have to tell you this right <laughs> so there's all these people running past us and we're like oh. <laughs> oh my gosh when i think back at it it was very funny but we went to jump into the waterfall it was just the most beautiful experience but i got the answers that i was looking for and believe it or not conscious leaders was it mm. i knew that i had to do it i just didn't know when i knew it since i was a little girl and i I have the entire thing planned in my head already. I know what's what it's going to be and how it's going to be. I know it's going to evolve. But I didn't know when that time would be because you start looking and, oh, but there's already a thing like this or already a thing like that. And I was like... But it's not yours. It's not. I want <laughs> a sisterhood. I want a real sisterhood. And I think through my time and my sabbatical, I think what I realized most of all for myself is that I need sisters. I need sisters that have the same values as me. I need sisters that um, have the same aspirations, but also the collective intelligence because I can't be the smartest in the room and nobody can be the smartest in the room. And if we all come together and we put our minds together, we can learn so much from each other. And so when so when you were going in your into your sabbatical, did you know you were in a sabbatical or was it just something that was happening to you? It was something that was happening to me. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's almost like the universe forced me to stop. If I can put it that Mm. way, like there's no way you can stop me because I'm very um, career driven, but it was, it was just something shifted in me, something, and it just, it, it gradually happened. But then there was just a, a moment where it was like, no, but then there were certain doors that started closing. Doors that were usually open started closing. And I was like, what is going on? This is impossible. And it just kept on going. And, and, um, I was just like, you know what? I'm actually, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to sit with it and I'm going to feel it and I'm going to move with it and see where it takes me. I mean, I, there was a stage I didn't want to even interview people. I will be around people. So here's the interesting thing, right? Um, I went for a gastric band many years ago to lose weight. I've really, really, really battled with my weight my entire life. Um, I was born nine pounds. I mean, hello. It started before <laughs> I even came out. I was already fat. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> so for me, it was always a struggle. And then this perimenopause thing happens in my body. I don't eat a lot. And... I eat the same stuff, have the same food, and I gain 10 kilos out of nowhere. And to such an extent that I don't want to be around people. I'm just brain fog. I can't remember things and and all of that. And then I started, I didn't realize at the time this is what's happening with me and with my body. But there's so much that goes on. There's there's the, um, you know, the confidence goes. You, you know, you, you just don't feel it anymore. And you just go into this deep, dark hole. And I understand why some women are suicidal. And I've never spoken out about this. But I I was very suicidal um, in the past two years. It's, it's been rough. And, um, and I think for me, I was like, okay, right. I got to take control of my life and I'm going to connect with a part that I have never, ever connected with. One is my body. So I started seeing a homeopath. Um, I started taking care of my mental health. It's been the most rewarding journey and building a relationship with my body. I might not be where I want to be from a weight perspective, but I feel different. I feel healthier. Never had a good relationship with my body. So now's the time to, to do that. And the second thing for me um, was the spirituality. It's like, I'm actually going to lean into this and my values, what I gravitate towards. Because I grew up in a very um, 
like hectic Afrikaans religious it it was really hectic like you know i i remember as a as a child i was just scared to go to the toilet because i thought i was sinning like it was i i used to pray for forgiveness if i killed an ant that's how hectic it was because i thought i murdered or it's like the you know god is love but all it does is judge you know and i don't believe that's the case and i had to go and deal with that trauma because it was showing up in my career and was showing up in my life like so risk adverse and you know when you work with corporates and stuff you you don't want to fail at anything and that risk was a perfect playground for me because I'm so good at spotting risks um I would have been great at governance by the way (laughs) I should have studied that um but anyway this is why this conversation means so much to me is because I think we need to open these conversations, have, you know, there's this, uh, you know, this resilience, resilience. We have to be resilient all the time. Sometimes we just want to be soft. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it so many times. Um, This coming from a really um, macho male-dominated industry where women sort of become men. Okay, we we become hard um, to be able to fit in and to be able to, and you see the women that rise to the top are the ones that have really, like you say, resilience and grits. Mm. You really have to um, be able to power through and we almost become become the same, okay? Um, and I, But I think it shouldn't be like that. Mm. Um, it was quite interesting in this first month of just reflecting and trying to, to be instead of do, um, you reflect on, on what I was like in, in the last couple of years and you realize that you're almost on the edge the whole time. Mm. You know, only when you start, you move away from it. It's almost like being in an abusive relationship. Only when you're away from it, do you realize, you know, how close you are to burnouts and just your, how, what a toll it takes on your mental health as well. Mm. Having to be a shield between like yourself and uh, your team and, and, and upwards and what a, what a sort of toll that takes on your mental health. I, I mean, I haven't slept as well as I've slept. For the last month, I've got this fantastic sleep. Hmm. And the stress is just, you know, all that stress that you're carrying with you all the time in your body. It's sort of starting, it's leaving me now, which is fantastic. But it takes, it takes about a month for it all to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you also, I mean, you're also going to find um, the guilt. You, you, you get to a point where you go, just like, I'm not so used to not doing something, <laughs> you know, sitting around and not doing everything that I'm used to doing. Um, and... I must tell you, my biggest ideas and my biggest inspiration was born last year. Big things. Mm. And it was because I learned to go and sit under a tree again. I learned to to actually be quiet with my mind. And I learned to feel things. And it's almost like you, it's like the veil gets removed. You mm. actually start seeing things for what they really are. And I kind of like the idea of technology wants to do its thing you know maybe we need to come back to to who we really are as human beings is looking at abundance you know a, a big thing that that kept on growing in my mind is i still want to interview melanie walker because i want to learn how to grow things it's um, i don't have green fingers it's terrible but i mean for me i kept on thinking but say for example everything gets taken away from us I wouldn't know how to grow my own food. You know, you start going down to that granular level, but the earth gives us everything, but I, I don't know how to grow plants. And those basic things that we need to know. The to instructions respect, are on the seed packets. The instructions are right there. You just have to follow oh, the no, instructions. It's not, it doesn't work like that. I direct sunlight and I wait and I go and talk to my, my little plants and I'm knowing that I'm going to eat them. Um, and I talk to them and then they don't come out or they come out and then there's some sort of rat or mice or something that got hold of it. Anyway. I'm, I'm really good with spinach and tomatoes. So tomatoes is he? Oh. Yeah. That, 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 those two. So we'll be fine with spinach and tomatoes. We can have nice, the- <laughs> nice soups. <laughs> the other day I tried to make pasta. That was hysterical but it's just like last year i i learned to cook my own foods because we used to do mr delivery quite a lot where i say to my husband i'm too busy maybe you just get a takeaway or or something like that and last year i was like no i have gained 10 kilos 
I can just as well eat anything that I feel I want to eat. But actually, I, I consciously decided, okay, can I eat from the from the garden? So if I can't grow it, that's fine. I'll just go to Impala. I never used to go to Impala. I always just go to Woolies. And it's just going and getting, feeling mm. the vegetables out of plastic. I don't know. There's something about it for me. I like it. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. You know, um, I want to thank you so much for today. I think it's uh, so important to have these conversations and, and also, you know, the bravery to just to, to say, you know, that I've decided that I've, I've had it of corporate life. I actually want to enjoy my life now and I want to do things differently. And I think that these conversations needs to happen because all of us as women go through this stage at some point in our lives where we have to completely change. And there's so many events or trigger events that happens for this moment to happen in any shape or form. It's just different characters, same movie, different characters. <laughs> but in the end of the day is having those tools and learning from each other how to get through it. And I think the biggest takeout that I'm getting from you as well is the financial planning that needs to happen for this big decision because the itchy feet mm. starts. It's not just like itchy feet on one. It, it's when the moment when your soul starts getting restless or you have that itchy feet, that is when you need to start looking at spending. Do you really need things and start putting that money away to plan for your freedom? And plan for what you want to do. And the best way to do it is going into yourself, that inward journey, mm. inside out. Yeah, I mean, we have to look after each after ourselves. And I think a lot of um, women don't necessarily think about looking after themselves financially. Um, they'll leave everything to the husband to do all the financial planning or that sort of thing. But if you want to take a break at some point in time, or be able to reset, then you have to have a cushion. Um, mm. I would think. I think a lot of people also get forced into having to take a break um, if they get retrenched or, or that sort of thing happens. But I think as a woman, you have to start early on in your career and go think and think about it. At any point, I have. I might need to be independent. I might need to have to look after myself um, and make sure that you are financially looking after yourself, so that these sort of things can happen and you can actually um, take a break when you need it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Petru. This is this is really a lovely conversation. I'm so glad we had it, and thank you so much for opening up. Really thanks. enjoyed it. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.